Welcome to the Humane Roundup Podcast, where we share all the exciting stories about animal cruelty investigations, dangerous animals, and amazing rescues. Find out what goes on inside of animal shelters and all the current trends in the animal welfare industry. Now, here is your host, Daniel Edinger. Welcome to the Humane Roundup. I got my awesome co-host, Ashley Bishop, with me. What's going on, Bishop? Good morning. How are you? Well, I'm live on location. You know, radio (laughs) does remotes all the time where they, like, set up a booth and they're out and about at, like, a local bar. We need to start doing that and maybe have the Humane Roundup send us all over the country to, like, I don't know. Right now, I feel like if we could be in, like, Hawaii doing the show, that would be great. I'm I'm down for that. You know, maybe we set up a Patreon or something. Yeah. So we can come visit is, people. But, oh, okay. People pay to to listen to the uh, podcast. And then oh. if you pay enough, we can come visit you. Oh, I like it. Yep. So <laughs> donate. Any of your donations can be made through my cash app, which is... No, I'm just kidding. I don't have a cash <laughs> So how are things in Wisconsin? Uh, busy. I am so freaking busy. It's not even funny. <laughs> I think a lot of the officers that are listening to the show today can relate to that. And we have a great one today that in a little bit, we're going to introduce NACA's new director of programs and partnerships. So I'm excited to do that. But yeah, yeah I think a lot of officers in our industry are feeling the heat. I know Jazzy, my girlfriend, you know, I was off all week and she she worked and she said it was a pretty busy week, you know, when they're down officers, et cetera. And, um, I, I mean, I can relate. I've worked several summers and I know, I know the heat that not only comes with the summer, but also with the number of calls that we get. Yeah. It's, it, it, I'm not sure if it's just because people are out and about more that it, you know, summer is that much busier or what, but I mean, I'm, I'm not an on-call person, but I've been fielding a lot of calls on my off time and stuff, too. Yeah. Yeah. And speaking of heat, I, you know, I never intend, and people will be like, yeah, you do. I never intend to, like, really start shit on social media. But I, like, I'll pose a question, and it starts shit. And I, I just, for those that are listening, and maybe if, if you saw the question, it's in one of the private groups, ACO Talk. Um, I posed a question late, well, by the time this airs, it'll be a few weeks old, but late last night about similarities. There was a different group entirely, not even related to our profession, where someone was asking about law enforcement jobs. They were thinking about getting into a law enforcement role. And so I made a simple post explaining kind of what we do and how our roles are somewhat similar. I never said they were identical or any of that stuff. And so somebody in the group piped in and was a, a for, I guess a former ACO several years ago and then has been in law enforcement for quite some time and just ha- let me have it on how the jobs are not similar. I was like, well, I was like, eh. I mean, I guess it depends on where, I mean, that's the whole, and I'm super excited that we're going to have NACA on in a little bit because the perspective of the profession is different no matter where you go. Like there's just so many difference differences so some officers' experiences may be different than others, et cetera. So then I posted the question in the ACO talk page, and holy moly, guacamole. Um, it, some people, you know, were like, yeah, it is similar, but it's not. And which it's not, like, I get it. It is definitely not similar. But a lot of times, people just stick to the text that you put 
and then they take it so literal, right? And they're like, there's no way they're similar. And it's like, okay, but there, there are similarities. And I just wanted to get your perspective on that. Oh, God, yeah, there is. We still, we deal with the same people that officers do. In fact, I mean, just this week, I had somebody who's on probation who uh, two weeks ago, we we have what are called TLPs, which are transitional living houses, typically for people coming out of jail or prison. Uh, two weeks ago, I got called because they were doing a search of the property and found a baby raccoon in one of the bedrooms. Um, and then this week, they got somebody in the TLP who is trying to live there, but you can't have animals. And so she, we were going round and round. I've been dealing with her for over a year trying to get her to surrender her dog because she needs to get stable and to do that she needs to find a new home for the dog. Mm. Um, so we're dealing with the same people, but with less equipment and far less support. And not just that, like the, the, the similarities as far as like, and sure you can relate this to other jobs as well, but a lot of us wear a police like uniform. A lot of us have access to bulletproof vest and a lot of us don't. And that's a whole nother topic maybe we can talk to jericho okay. owens about that but anyway uh, my my point to all that is that there's also similarities whether it's the cad that we're using right whether it's yep. the report writing the investigative skills that we need to do um uh, there's just the job is similar and i it, it but it pissed off a lot of people in the group not everybody was like no 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 but there's there's people that take it so literal and so serious uh and the, I don't know if they just do it to be difficult and want to like push Looking back. For an which argument. Is, yeah, which is fine. Like I'm not here for an argument. I just really put it out there uh, to get perspective, right? Because mm-hmm. my thought process is sure, like sure, it's not the same exact thing. I'm not running into an active shooter situation. We get that, but I may be the first responder on a dog attack that is actively attacking a person or another animal or i may be the first responder or you may be the first responder on an animal cruelty in in progress somebody's beating an animal where you have to respond you have to react sure it, it is different in the i think the intensity may be different but the, at the end of the day there are similarities between the two jobs and that's all the perspective that i was trying to bring well and you also have the the similarity there is like you said first responder sometimes I've done initial reports and then said, okay, this has to go to the drug unit because I, I witnessed drugs or, or et cetera there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so our patrol usually does the first report and passes it on. It's, it's the same thing there too. Well, and I, I give this example in one of the classes that I teach, but I want to give it here and then we can introduce our guest is officers several years ago went out on a call for a report that a party threw a dog down a flight of steps and it was a puppy etc they waited a few weeks to call because they were scared officers went out it was late they're the you know the they were concerned with the the dog's status so they were on scene they ended up talking to the individual who was disrespectful to to them didn't want to cooperate just very challenging investigation however they were able to get possession of the puppy and found that it did have an injury injury consistent with some sort of blunt force trauma fast forward 
I would say three months later, that individual that they investigated was then arrested for homicide. He shot somebody in the neighborhood and he shot two people, killed one and injured another over a football, uh, basically a football tossing thing that was going on in front of his house that just pissed him off. And so we are there in those situations and it may not be the situation where he actually opened fired on people, but like you mentioned earlier, Bishop is we're still dealing with the same people that police officers are on a daily basis. And, and so that was part of it. But I think if we really broke it down and, and what we'll do at some point in this, in this podcast is we'll have a former APO that has become a police officer talk about their experiences and how they feel it may be similar or different. For sure. Well, um, with that story, I, I mean, we've talked about it numerous times, but can anyone say the link? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. I mean, it's, it's so relevant, so relevant. So yeah. Yeah. Well, I appreciate your perspective on that and just look if for, for those that are listening and, and those that are listening and, and have feedback, you know, shoot us a, a message or, you know, respond to that Facebook post that we have. And, and definitely, you know, we we're open to your views. So, but let's bring on our first guest here. And I want to basically welcome to the Humane Roundup podcast. We used to have Adam Ritchie on the show giving NACA updates. Uh, he's, you know, he kind of moved on in his career, but now I'm excited to announce that we have the new director of programs and partnerships, Jerrica Owen, with the National Animal Care and Control Officers Association joining us today. Thank you, Jerrica. And how is everything going? Good morning. Thank you guys for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Uh, I've really been listening to your show for a while and I'm a huge fan. <laughs> so I'm well, thank so you. thankful. Thank you. Do you... Uh, do you mind just giving our listeners a, a brief kind of introduction on who you are and kind of how, you know, how you've been in the, the business and kind of what your role is there with NACA now? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, so as you mentioned, I'm the new director of programs and partnerships with NACA. Um, I came on board in early April and I've really hit the ground running um, before taking this role with NACA. I was with the San Diego Humane Society in San Diego, California, um, for a majority of my career for nearly 15 years. Um, and before that, I was with a small agency working uh, with the uh, police department. Um, it was a one kennel attendant, one ACO uh, operation. And so that really uh, was where I sort of fell in love with the work and then moved to San Diego Humane. So and even though I was with San Diego Humane and, you know, one organization for so long, I wore so many hats. I started as a part-time adoptions counselor. Um, 15 years later, was overseeing uh, campus operations for one of the nation's largest uh, shelters. So San Diego Humane takes in about 50,000 animals a year. Wow. Um, yeah, I, I, I can't even imagine. It's insane. Oh, I, you guys were talking about how busy. It's busy everywhere. It's crazy. Wow. That, that is incredible. I, I want to say last numbers I knew our local shelter was like 3,000 animals a year. So And even that still feels busy, right? It can yeah. Feel, especially in the summertime. Oh, oh yeah. Kitten season. <laughs> oh, yeah. Although, <laughs> strangely enough, we haven't had as many this year, but 
that's a whole nother topic. So. <laughs> um, so, so my most recent role with San Diego was the director of strategic initiatives. So I really worked alongside colleagues at every level of the organization. Um, and really my job was to ensure that we were delivering on our mission um, and delivering on our contracts. So there were 12 municipal contracts, a lot of ground, that's a lot of people to make happy. Um, so that was sort of my role with them. I also have experience. I've deployed to d different hurricanes. Uh, San Diego, we have wildfires in California. So I've, you know, ran rescue operations to help get uh, pets out of flood or fire zones. Um, I've had a, an amazing uh, career so far, and I'm really just really looking forward to uh, bringing my experience uh, to NACA. I've got so much excitement for it. Uh, Jerrica, can I? Oh, go, Bishop, go ahead. Sorry, go I, ahead. Just, uh, <laughs> I just wanted to jump in really quick and ask your thoughts on our opening kind of dialogue with the with the thoughts around similarities with police departments in our profession. Oh, I thought you were asking if we wanted to if I wanted to go to Hawaii with you. <laughs> well, I mean, if you want to do that too, that's okay. Yeah, NACA can. So if NACA wants to throw down for that. We're all we're all in. We, oh, yeah. <laughs> that would be amazing. Um. No, I'm sorry, I didn't see that post, but just listening, you know, you're absolutely right. You guys kind of hit every nail on the head. I think that there are so many similarities, not only just the operational and logistical, right, the CAD systems, the uniforms, um, vehicles with, you know, all the different equipment, um, but it's they're very emotionally charged situations, whether it's animals or people, or we know it's both, right, the link. Um, so... Yeah, I totally agree. I think there's a ton of similarities. I love your idea of having uh, an ACO law, um, ACO law enforcement, you know, somebody who's who's made that transition between the two positions. That's the best way to kind of, you know, dig into it a little bit more. I love that idea. Yeah, that's definitely something um, I actually, he's, I know I work with a guy who um, was up here in Wisconsin. We have humane officers and He's actually dually trained as humane officer and is a uh, police officer. So, well, now canine. So I wonder if we couldn't get him on um, or any of our other listeners, anybody that want, um, you know, might be interested in that. And you've got a um, contact us. <laughs> Lost my train of thought there. I don't know where I was going with that. But contact us if, if you, you know, did do both and you want to talk to us about it. Um, so you haven't been in this position with NACA very long then. Um, can you tell us maybe what some of the goals are at this point? I know it's so, so new and fresh. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Yeah. April 12th is when I came on board. So maybe three or four months. Okay. Um, it's, it's, it's been great. So it's been a lot of learning for me. Um, you know, just kind of, you know, NACA has an amazing, proud uh, history and a bright future. So, um, you know, being just trying to learn everything that it's already done, all of the success it's already had, and then really looking towards how we can make it um, even better. So we've got uh, some amazing partnerships. Um, we've got some operational support from Maddie's Fund as well as Petco. So we're so thankful for their generosity to really help keep NACA operating efficiently. Um, we have some additional partnerships. Where this month, we actually partnered with Code 3 and uh, Pet Hub for Lost Pet Prevention Month. So, um, you know, uh, the goals really include um, engaging the membership. Our membership 
is amazing. I am consistently um, just so, uh, sorry, hold on one second. I, I'm, uh, I'm so amazed and so impressed by our membership. I mean, the resilience, the resourcefulness, uh, they just bring such exceptional value to the industry and to the association. Um, so now it's NACA's turn to really make the experience of being a member second to none. So that's something that I, I, I you know, NACA is going to do. I'm very excited to continually engage our membership. Um, and then, you know, just deliver on the mission. So I want to make sure that we're, you know, increasing the professionalism um, and making sure that we're, you know, doing everything that we can to really help um, increase professionalism, uh, keep, you know, officer safety first and foremost. Um, you know, and we do that through expanding our programs and our training. We have heard loud and clear from the members that training is the number one area of interest. So uh, working on really enhancing our current trainings, but then also working on creating, you know, new trainings, things that are relevant, things that are timely, um, and really just working to make sure that the needs of our uh, membership and, you know, all, all the officers, not even members, uh, all officers are, are met. So um, a lot of big, amazing things happening. Fantastic. Yeah, I can say that uh, as speaking to the training aspect, it's very difficult for us here in Wisconsin to get um, some new training opportunities up here. A lot of what I've had to do has been online, unfortunately, which we've talked about before, kind of takes away from that uh, building of um, relationships with other people. And it just takes away from that camaraderie. So I'm hoping, you know, I don't know if you guys are looking at doing more online or in-person type trainings, but um, definitely looking forward to having, you know, something come more, more Wisconsin's <laughs> way for sure. Yeah, um, definitely. So we have our ACO1 and ACO2, which because of COVID, right, we had to pivot and turn those online. And I totally agree. It, it's it's not the same experience. But the, the amazing thing about the this digital age that we kind of find ourselves in right now is that um, it allows for flexibility, right? Some agencies, it's one officer, and they can't leave because it's they, they just can't, um, whether it's budget or, you know, staffing mm -hmm. coverage, that kind of thing. So by having the online option available, uh, it's really kind of helping to ensure that even those officers who do not have resourceful uh, agencies are able to still get that same standard of training that they haven't been able to get in the past. So um, that's, you know, something that I'm super proud of and we're, we're working on um exploring an ACO3 option, which will actually oh. be hybrid. Um, nice. And so it'll be, you know, in person and online. It's a combination of the two. Don't have too much information on that yet. We're still sort of in the exploration phase, but it's going to be amazing when it does come out. <laughs> Good. Well, so I know. Go, oh, go ahead, Bishop. Sorry. Um, I know that the ACO1 and 2 is found on the Justice Clearinghouse. Is there any other place to find it because i i've signed up for aco2 it just like i said been busy and haven't had a chance to go through it yet <laughs> <laughs> totally agree totally agree yeah um it is on you can look at nakanet.org uh and it will link it's right at the top of the page um or justice clearinghouse under the animal welfare section so there's an aco1 and then the aco2 is the second course as well um i've done them both they're fantastic 
we are working on updating um, different pieces of it. So those will be, um, those will continually be updated. The other thing about online I want to throw in there too, is that it's pretty, the, you know, when you go to trainings, you often get one instructor um, and they, you know, do the whole training with the online platform and the online way that we have ACL one and two, the uh, students, those taking the class are able to get instruction from people from across the country in various different, um, you know, expertise. And so to me, that's so incredibly impactful to learn from the experts, all of them, not just one of them. So I wanted to throw that in there as well. <laughs> yeah, no, that that's actually a great point. And I guess I, that's not something I've considered. Um, like I said, I, I miss the camaraderie, but that is a fantastic yeah. point. Dan, you had something? Yeah, well, Jerrica, I don't know if this is out of, this isn't, this definitely is not on the, the list of questions we had. So <laughs> if it's not something that you feel comfortable answering right now, I totally respect that, but I'm going to ask it anyway. And okay. the question is, has NACA ever thought about, or would NACA ever think about being more of an accreditation type of organization versus partnering with people? And, and the reason I bring that up is because you have options, right? It's not just code three out there that's doing the training, right? And so but in order to be like a national animal control officer or have that certification, you have to do it through that handpicked organization, if that makes sense. You know, you have the Humane Educators of Texas, you have LETI, you have several other animal control officer type trainings that are out there. And so my, my, my general question is, would NACA ever consider accrediting those courses as well? to give people more option and instead of it just being one training service that they can only go to, to get this national certification. Yeah, absolutely. It, you know, always would be something to be considered because you're right. There's, there's a lot of different things out there. Um, so it's absolutely on the table. And it's funny um, that you mentioned it because one of the other things that we're doing is uh, we're forming relationships and, uh, partnerships with state associations because they have their own, um, you know, there are 37, I believe 37 state associations and a lot of them have their own training. And so how can NACA and the state associations work together uh, to, to help, you know, to help make sure that the officers have the training, that it is a national standard um, across the board. So that's something that we're really excited. We've already met with a couple of different state associations um, and looking for some partnership opportunities, uh, whether it be, you know, like you said, training or conferences or um, just, again, building the relationship to uh, continue the conversation on how we can, you know, get to a place that is uh, something more formal, like an accreditation program. I would love that. So, yeah, absolutely. And it's a good segue to our next week's episode. We actually are going to have the Missouri Animal Control Officers Association on. So we'll talk to them about their training and kind of what goes on in their state. So. Uh, definitely, like you said, there are tons of states that are involved and uh, it would be super to get that kind of blanket support, if you will, from NACA. Yes. You're going to love the Missouri team. I met with them like two weeks ago um, to uh, just to, you know, just to connect. And um, and they're so great. You're going to have such a good I'm going to listen to it. It's so, so exciting. <laughs> We've talked about the the training and stuff and you were talking about the um memberships and and trying to give back to the members a little bit more how is it going as far as the members and voting and and can we talk a little bit more about how somebody gets involved with that 
Yes. Awesome. Okay. So uh, two things. Um, we, as a member of NACA, they, you're invited to join the monthly board meetings. So there's a monthly board meeting. Uh, it's the second Thursday of every month, 8 a.m. Pacific, um, 11 Eastern. And we have added guest speakers to our board meetings. And so for the past two months, we've had some uh, guest speaker come and do like a 20 minute presentation um, and then allow some questions. And then we move into our business meeting. Um, so I, that the first one was well attended. The second one was much more well attended. Um, some amazing speakers lined up for the whole rest of this year and even into next year. We've got... Um, for the August meeting, Dr. Bird from the University of Florida. Oh, veterinary. Yeah, he's great. Jason Bird. He's so, yeah. yeah. So he's going to come and speak at the August membership meeting, um, give a little presentation. So members are 100% encouraged to join those membership meetings. Um, we want, you know, we want to see you. We want to get to know you. Um, and then the second one you had asked was the uh, board, the board seats. So applications yeah. for prospective board members uh, are open. So they opened July 12th and they will close on August 13th. So I really want to encourage anyone who's interested um, in getting involved at the national level to, to check it out. So it's nacanet.org backslash elections. There's information on there that will um, list out the eligibility requirements. It does require that it's, uh, you have an individual membership to NACA. Um, and there's a few other requirements as well. So, um, what's the cost for the individual memberships? It is twenty five dollars a year. What a okay. deal! Yeah, it's amazing. What What are some of the things that you're looking at requiring from board members? Like um, what so, would their roles be? Yeah, good question. So, NACA is a working board. Um, there, there's a lot of um, you know involvement. I'm an employee of one. <laughs> <laughs> So um, I, it's amazing and I love it, but I can't do everything alone. And so, you know, when we are exploring new training opportunities or uh, looking at different partnerships or meeting with state associations, any of that kind of stuff, um, you know, I really, uh, the board is so incredibly supportive. Um, so it's, you know, essentially the, the actual only real requirement is that they attend the, the meetings, um, but it's so much more than that. And everyone is so involved and just you know anybody anybody who meets the qualifications i mean there should be no reason why um it's limited you know it's not limited so um i just we, diverse perspectives and um you know anybody who has who wants to be involved we'd love to have you apply so um yeah and it's a great tool for just professional development i was on a board in Colorado for several years. And at some point in life, I'll, I'll probably explore options to see if I can get elected onto a board. Uh, just, you know, you have to be able to balance your, your life. And for me, you know, I know it's not a, a place that, that I'm at at this point, but at, at, at a point or, you know, if you're somebody that's just aspiring to do more, I, I highly recommend checking it out. I think it's a great opportunity to, to network and to, you know, meet meet all different types of people, not just officers, but, you know, people throughout our profession or others that can really help propel us. And that's, that's kind of what we want, right? We want an ability to advance this profession, right? Push this profession forward and, and doing it on a national level is huge. Uh, so if you get an opportunity there, or if you get an opportunity to do it, you know, on your state's association, that's also a great thing too. So basically what yeah. you're saying is our old cliche of, 
be the voice for the voiceless. Yeah, absolutely. And also, I mean, but, but no, and, and I'm just going to give it out there to people. Just know what you're capable of. You know, sometimes those board roles can be consuming beyond mm-hmm. your scope of your daily job. And so I just want to give people that, that insight of like, expect it to be a, a second job that, you know, though you might not get financial compensation from, you'll get an opportunity to really develop professionally, which is an awesome, awesome thing. Make sure you're not going to burn yourself out. And if you think you are, check out our previous episodes. Compassion. Yeah. (laughs) See how I did that? That was great. (laughs) A few episodes ago. Yeah. So, Jerrica, before we get into kind of some general things, I I think it's just important to understand that, uh, kind of recap too, so NACA is, is doing a lot as far as virtual stuff, uh, partnering back up with Code 3 to do some training, uh, really pushing forward some of the things that um, that may have been kind of in the, I don't want to say the dark, but there, there's been a transition. And anytime there's a transition, things kind of settle, if you will. And so your, your role now is to, to kind of bring all that back up to light. Yeah, that's a really good way um, to put it. And yeah, really just, you know, kind of there's been a lot of transitions with NACA, right? There's been quite a few, um, you know, leadership cha- transitions in the past couple of years. And so taking all of that amazing work that has been done um, and really, you know, molding it together to to just create um, a really great path going forward um, without losing any of the fantastic historical stuff that has already been done and has led NACA to be, you know, the successful thus far. But um, yeah, that's a really good way to put it. Just trying to kind of revive and, and rebuild and um, bring it all back. NACA's back. NACA is back. That's awesome. <laughs> well, we definitely support support NACA. And, you know, we've had NACA kind of represented on the program throughout uh, the last several months. And we hope that, you know, whatever works best with your schedule, I know you're busy in your role, but we'd like to have you uh, definitely come back on and, and give updates as, as you see fit. So. Uh, please. Absolutely. Yeah. You're, you're always welcome on the show there. So I just wanted to extend that out there to you and uh, just, yeah, just really wanted to, to have you on today to introduce you to, to our listeners and, and hope that people, you know, if they're not NACA members, maybe check out the webpage, check out your Facebook pages, that NACA support group, that private group on Facebook is awesome. There's always great questions in there. So don't forget to check mm-hmm. that out. And so, if you, oh, yeah. I just want to pull a plug in for the, uh, trainings um if you're a NACA member i believe you get correct me if i'm wrong jerica but it's a hundred dollars off if you do one or two um Uh so i mean ultimately you save 75 dollars on the training itself and then you become a member of the organization and get access to a lot more things absolutely yep that's yeah, it's one of the one of the many perks. Um, and just we're going to also keep, you know, working on we, I really want people to join because we want to hear from you. We want to know what you need. Um, you know, I it would be fantastic. I've been reaching out to um, different members. We've have we have one member who I talked to last week who has been a member for 14 years. Um, fantastic. You know, just wanting to touch base and find out what, what do they need from NACA? What is the you know single officer in the rural uh, areas? What do they need and, and how can we support and how can we help? So we really want to hear from you um, and, and what you need so we can, um, you know, be the, the national organization that our members need us to be. 
That's great. Before you took your role, there was some talk with NACA about some first responder support for our profession. Are there any updates on that right now? Um, so NACA did issue a position statement that uh, animal control officers should be first responders. Um, and so we're continuing to, to really just push this uh, position statement out there. I really want to make it available to anybody that needs it. You know, we believe that all animal services professionals, whether, you know, you've got one of your many titles, um, should be considered and treated as first responders. We, you know, in the beginning of the episode, we're talking about how the similarities between police officers and animal control officers, and, and there should be no difference in how they're treated um, in terms of first responder status. And so we're just going to, you know, keep pushing it and make sure that anybody who needs us to, you know, support them, uh, that they've got it. And, you know, historically, animal control officers, um, well, not historically, but the very core of animal controls, right, is so deeply rooted in community engagement and public safety and really animal welfare. So how uh, making sure that they are treated and identified as first responders is really important. So I'm going to keep pushing it out. And yeah. If somebody feels that they they specifically need the support, you know, they're they're. <laughs> we had a story on, um, I don't think at this point it's aired yet, but um, somebody had to, they felt that they needed to leave the profession because they had no support from their city or their government and, you know, wages were incredibly low. Is that something that you guys would be able to help with to reach out to the um, city officials and explain what the benefits are? And is that along the lines of some of the help you're talking about? Yeah, I think it could be a number of things. Um, we have, just in the time that I've been here, uh, responded to a ton of individual uh, requests for, you know, different support. Um, one officer ha was the only officer in his uh, department, uh, right alongside the police department, had was not issued a ballistics, you know, a vest. Everybody else was. So I, we talked about how to help him, you know, empower him to get the data he needs to really um, take it to his leadership. So I don't know if it would be NACA necessarily reaching out to the city officials, but we would be connecting you and supporting uh, to help, you know, empower those individuals to to uh, to ask for what they need and to be, um, you know, to, to just really help them to get what they need. So a lot of times we have been, um, we've connected people to their state associations to work through, you know, helping them. Also, if they don't have a state association, there are other agencies and other organizations in those same states. So working together, you know, to really mm -hmm. help and see a lot of times it, it's not, somebody else is also having those same challenges. And so, you know, working through it together. Um, so I don't know if that helps answer the question or not. Yeah. But, um, yeah. So, uh, you know, if, if, if there's something needed, even if we're not able to necessarily, like I said, reach out to the state associations or the um, the city officials, like we can certainly, you know, help connect with somebody else who maybe can or provide, you know, uh, ideas for data and that kind of stuff. So, you know, data and stories is really what helps and is going to be important, especially in um, government. So what well, with that being said, though, is there a reason NACO wouldn't provide a position statement if an individual came to NACA that's a member and said, hey, you know, we, our profession, maybe it was COVID related or maybe it's something related to ballistic vests. 
if if there's not like a custom individualized statement, is there at least something that and I, I know NACA has put out these position statements before. Is there a place that they can find those that they can send up the chain of command to their elected officials and show that there is a national organization backing them? Yeah, absolutely. So on the website, we've got uh, quite a few position statements, and um, there we've also uh, on the board has been uh, you know talking about what's the next one, and um, you know if any members do have ideas on something that they need, uh, you know let let me know. But yeah, absolutely, they can they can access it on the website, and um, we will you know we'll, we'll do whatever we can to support anybody that needs it. And yeah, just, it, you know, nothing, nothing's off the table. Um, but at the same time, there's a lot of agencies and there's, there's just me. Um, <laughs> so, so yeah, definitely, uh, you know, we, we want to do the best that we can and, and do right by our members. How does somebody reach out to get that assistance? So we have uh, NACA at NACANet.org. Okay. The email address. Yep. So they can just email. It's right on the website as well. So that uh, email is sort of our, um, you know, just our, our info at email. And that sort of gets filtered into, into whichever uh, direction it needs to go. So a lot of times it just comes to me and we, we work through and, um, you know, provide any whatever, um, whatever they need. A lot of times it's just a phone call and we kind of talk through it or, um, you know, if they need access to the position statements or something like that. And we'll add that to the show notes. So just in case you weren't able to write it down, there'll be a link to it in the show notes. So wherever you're listening to this podcast, you'll, you'll be able to access that. And, you know, we really thank you again for, for taking the time out and we're excited. We're really excited about what NACA has going on. And we, you know, we're here for, for people and maybe not in the same form as NACA, but we love to see whether it's you, whether it's other organizations or agencies coming together to better this profession. That's really what we want to see. And so we appreciate you being part of that and, anything we can do to help spread the word here on the podcast, we're more than happy to do so and hope to really just hope to get, you know, more people involved and joining NACA, you know, strength in numbers. Right. And so the more people that we can have kind of all singing the same song, the, the louder the voice is. Absolutely. There's, um, I'm just really looking forward to this next journey. And, you know, as always, the world is full of opportunities and challenges um, and leading NACA to the next level. It's going to be both. Uh, but I know that with uh, everyone's support that we can do it. So thank you guys for having me on today. It's been great chatting with you. Thanks for yeah, coming on. We really hope to get you back on soon for any updates that you may have. We'd love to hear Absolutely. about how the, maybe once the election results are done, uh, we can have you back on and, and talk to you know, talk to you in that regard or talk to any of the, the new, the new board members as well. Yeah, that'd be a great idea. Fantastic. Well, as always, thanks for joining us. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Don't forget to check us out on Facebook. That is humane roundup H O bishops on Facebook and Instagram. I'm also on there as animal protection officer, Daniel, if you have any requests or you want to join some of those private groups that you may not have access to shoot us a message and we'll get you into those groups as well so and don't forget to share and rate the podcast or as <laughs> as bishop loves to say her best friend sharon rate us uh -huh. and, and join us next week when we talk to maca not to be confused with naca <laughs> uh, awesome thank well thanks, thanks again and jerica as we like to say on the humane roundup keep it 
Humane, Maine. Maine. <laughs> awesome sauce.